Hey ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Welcome to the No Higher Calling podcast. Thank you all so much for joining me today. We are going to start something today that will kind of be scattered all throughout this new year. I've mentioned it on a podcast. I've mentioned it on my social media platforms. But the end of last year, I really started praying through the possibility of kind of doing a a Bible study topic that we study through all throughout the year um, through this podcast platform. I didn't want to take away from the interviews and just the regular content of the No Higher Calling podcast, but I really thought that it would be good for once a month to devote an episode to a Bible study that just together as a podcast virtual group that we are working through together. Um, And just through that, through some polls, Q&As with you all, we landed on studying through respectable sins. Now you may hear that and think, wait, what? Respectable sins? What does that even mean? What are you talking about? I'm getting there. Um, But this is going to be our first episode kind of in that study. So again, it'll just be once a month, so there will be 12 episodes throughout 2022 as we study through this. And I just want to tell you at the beginning of this, this can be as much or as little as you want it to be or as you need it to be. I mean, I got a lot of feedback from some women that were just like, hey, we don't really have a Bible study that we can go to or something like that, that we can study the Bible with or through. And um, so the Lord just really put it on my heart to go through this. And so I'm excited to have you jump in. Um, you can just listen to this episode like you would every other week and glean what you can from listening through once. You can, you know, listen to this episode with your Bible during a quiet time where you can follow along with me and mark these verses and take some notes. I do have a corresponding blog post that will come out with each one of these episodes that will kind of help keep you on track, where I'm at, what the main points are, general thoughts, um, some scripture memory that I'm going to challenge you with. Um, But that's just something, and again, you can follow along to whatever extent you want. Um, But I'm really excited about jumping into this study with you all. So Respectable Sins, what does that even mean? So I read this book last year, Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges, and it really, it just blew my mind um, as the Lord used the scripture in the book and really just convicted my heart. So this is not going to be a book study. Uh, you can you can make it that. I have um, in the blog post and, and in the notes of the podcast episode, I'll say kind of what chapters I'm going from. But I'm using more of the book in my personal study just to give me an outline of progression. Um, but what I really want to share in the podcast is really just my processing of these truths, how God has used them in my life, what he's shown me, and then how I'm making the application in that. So in all of these episodes, and this first one will be a little bit different as I'm really just trying to lay the groundwork. Um, 
starting next month through the end of the year, the episodes will be different from this one, but all of the ones in the future will be very similar as we take just one or two um, of these sins and really dig deep into those. Um, so again, this first one is just really laying some groundwork, still having some personal application. What can I take away from this? But then the next the next episode, you'll see it'll it'll shift just a little bit and how it's presented. But as we're studying through this Bible study, I, I want to share the truths that God's teaching me. And then I love being able to leave with something very practical, something that I can change or implement or pray through in my life. So that's what I'm going to try to do for you all. I'm going to give two different aspects of application. One is just personally to us as women. How does the truth that we've learned apply to us? How can it make us more like Christ? And then I'm going to take it a step further. As many of us are moms, or maybe you're looking towards motherhood in the future, or you're a grandma, or you have kids that you influence. Um, I think that probably covers most of our categories as women. How can you use these truths to teach and train future generations? Um, so I, I really hope looking at it that way, that will really give us some, some structure on how we're going to work through these things. So respectable sins, what do I mean by respectable sins? And so the whole idea behind these respectable, I say those in air quotes, respectable sins is these are sins that, you, you know, the Bible talks about no sin being greater than another. And, you know, um, the Bible talks about that if you hate a man in your heart, you've already committed murder in you know in your heart. Or if you lust after a, a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So I think sometimes we tend to give levels to sin, and that's not what I want to at all come across as in saying respectable sins. But all that I mean by that term, all that really the author meant in his book by that term, is in Christianity, especially I feel like the darker our culture gets, the more perversion, the more wickedness, the more outright um, affront and attack against God's word, we clearly see those sins. We clearly see um, addictions, you know, whether it be alcohol or drugs or sexual addictions. You know, we, we clearly see the depravity of sin when it comes to pornography or the gender identity crisis, or the race war that we're dealing with. So many different things that are so pervasive in our culture that as Christians, we quickly say, oh, those are, are bad sins. But then there's sins that have crept into our hearts that because they aren't ugly, because maybe they aren't even public, they're things that we can hide, things that we can mask with kind of a Christian facade, um, that we just don't feel like they're as bad or that they need as much of our attention. Or sometimes as we'll study through some of these things, as I study through some of these things, they were things that I didn't even realize were sins in my life. But as I got into God's word, as I started asking the Holy Spirit to reveal the sins that were in my heart, I realized that I wasn't this squeaky clean, you know, perfect little Christian that I might have, have thought that I was when I compared myself to the standard of the world. You know, and I've talked about this before. So often I feel like we have that yardstick. And as long as I'm this far back from the world, I'm okay. And, and that is not at all how we are to look at ourselves, how we are to judge ourselves. The Bible says 
that it's God's word that is the lamp into our feet and the light into our path. It is God's word that reveals who we are and how we need to change to become more like Christ. So when you take that yardstick and flip it around to instead of no longer I'm measuring myself to the world, I'm measuring myself against Christ, you find, whoa, I am miles from where I am supposed to be. And that's what we're going to really look at as we go through these, again, respectable sins. These are things that are just subtle that have become acceptable in in culture, in Christian culture, or they have become less than sins. You know, again, all those terms I'm using kind of in quotes because all sin is an attack against God. We're going to, that's, we're getting ready to jump right into that. So all sin, you know, whether it was a murder or whether it was my gossiping tongue, it nailed Christ to the cross. All sin required a payment, and the payment was the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. So in light of that, in light of what the payment for our sin was, no sin is light. No sin is something that like, okay, well, you know, I'm not... I'm not into pornography. I'm just reading these Christian romance novels, and I could do a whole episode, and I, and I plan to on that because that is something that God put his finger on in my life several years ago. Um, but, but things like that that we say, well, it's not that bad. It's not as far as the world has gone. It, it's safe. It's controllable. I think sometimes we think, oh, these little pet sins are things that are controllable. Or sometimes we just excuse it away. Oh, oh this is my personality. Like for a long time, I thought that just worry and anxiety was just a part of me like that's just who Brittany is and so like it or not I'm a worry wart and the Lord really showed me that okay maybe it is a besetting sin maybe I struggle with that sin more than other sins or I struggle with worry more than Jane down the road but that doesn't mean that it's a sin that doesn't mean that it's something that I can excuse it's something that I still have to confess and forsake and give to Christ so We're just going to jump into that. I hope that gives you some understanding of what I mean by these respectable sins. And and I'm just going to really quick read to you some of the ones that we're going to go through. Um, Next month, we're going to talk about ungodliness, which you might think you don't struggle with ungodliness, but wait, wait till next month's episode, ladies. Wow, we all struggle with ungodliness, but we're going to talk about anxiety, um, discontentment, pride, um, impatience, anger, judgmentalism, envy, sins of the tongue. There are so many sins of the tongue. And I know as women, this is something that we struggle with. And again, we excuse it away in so many, well, I'm just sharing a prayer request. Or, well, you know, we're, we're just women. We just like to talk. Or, you know, I'm just going out with the girlfriends and, you know, we're catching up. Um, there's just, the Bible says so much about the tongue. That's going to be a really good one. Um, but really just digging into some of these things. That again, if I could just kind of summarize it all up, in light of culture, in light of the blatant evil, some of these sins that we just tend to gloss over and be like, well, they're just not as big of a deal. Uh, you know, it's not something that I immediately, with with intensity and with um, with a devotion, that I need to address and forsake in my life. And, but it, but it is. 
all of these things, like I said, all of these things nailed Christ to the cross. And all of these things keep us from Christ-likeness. And, and that should be our highest goal, ladies, in our lives, in our marriage, in our ministries, in our motherhood. Our goal should be Christ-likeness because it's only as we pursue Christ-likeness that we can reach the potential that God has for us in our relationship with our husband, in our relationship with our children, in our relationship with other women that God has given us to encourage and to teach and to train. So uh, all of this really comes back to the idea of how can I become more like Christ? And part of that is is sin that we have to forsake in that pursuit of Christ-likeness. I want to challenge you with a scripture memory verse. It's not very long, but I'm going to bring this up every episode that we have of this Bible study throughout the year. So you're going to hear it from me at least 12 times if I only say it once in the episode. But as we get started in this topic, as we start looking through these sins, as we start really praying and asking the Holy Spirit to illumine these areas in our lives that need change, that need conformed more into his image, these sins that we need to forsake and leave behind us. I want to give you this verse and I want to challenge you to memorize it and I want to challenge you to pray it. Pray it to the Lord. Ask him to do this verse in your life. And it is Psalm 119, 133. It says, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. It's in Psalm 119. I've read Psalm 119 many times, but I was reading this about six months ago. And have you ever been reading the Bible? And it's like all of a sudden God puts the spotlight on a verse and it's just like, I've never seen that before, but but I know that I have, but how did I miss this truth? And that's how this verse was for me. So I immediately got a three by five card. I wrote this out and it is taped on my wall beside the mirror that I use to get ready every day. And I try to read this verse at least once every day. And I try to read it as a prayer to the Lord. So let's walk through this verse really quickly. As we're laying this foundation, as we get started, as I'm giving you this challenge to you memorize this verse as well and use this as your prayer as we go through this study. Order my steps in thy word. You know, I want step by step by step by step every moment of every day the way that the path of my life goes I want it ordered in God's word you know there's so much chaos around us uh, and, and that you know Satan presents a, a beautiful model of sin and self and what he has to offer but it is chaos and to live a well-ordered life, that is something that comes out of living your life in accordance to God's word. So as I pray this, I'm asking God, order my steps in your word. Now, if I want my steps ordered in God's word, I have to know God's word. I can't walk in his word if I don't know what his word says. Um, you know, so goodness, right there lies conviction and <laughs> so much. But we've got to be in his word, ladies. We've got to be in his word so that he can order our steps, order our days, order our lives according to his word. And then the second part of this verse is, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. And, and that's the part that we're really going to hone in as we're going through looking at all these different iniquities, all of these transgressions against God, these different sins, any iniquity. Great, small, respectable, terrible, whatever adjective we want to use in our human minds to classify sin, any iniquity. 
nothing, Lord, nothing that does not line up with your word, anything that is not in your order, that is not according to your word, don't let it have dominion over me. That idea of dominion means to have power, to have control. I don't want, I don't want sins of the tongue. I don't want ungodliness. I don't want pride. I don't want anger or impatience or jealousy. I don't want those to have any dominion over me. No control, no foothold, no stronghold in my life. And again, I I can't just say this and then be removed from all responsibility and lay it all on the Lord. He does his part, but I have a part in this too. And that means... That in order for me to not let any iniquity have dominion over me, again, it goes back to the beginning, I've got to know his word. If I don't know his word, then I don't know what iniquity is. I don't know what transgresses his law. But as I study his word, as I read his word, I need to let it wash my heart. I need to let it cleanse me of sin. As David prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts, not just my actions. I don't want just my actions to not be dominated by sin. I don't even want my thoughts to be dominated by sin. Um, so that that's my challenge to you as we get this started. Claim Psalm 119, 133 as a verse you're going to memorize to this year. Commit it to memory and commit it to prayer. As I, My prayer really for this Bible study is that as we work through these things, that God will just have a group of women that have been touched through the truths of his word through this podcast that are forsaking these sins, that are being conformed more to the image of Christ, that are influencing our children and the next generation to also follow this well-ordered way, this way that is ordered in the steps that accord with God's word. And that we can just, from that, have the impact that God desires for us to have as women, as Christian women who are trying to pursue Christ to the best of our abilities. Um, So we're just going to jump in. So this first episode, I said this one was going to be a little different as we really just lay some groundwork. Then all of the rest of the episodes throughout this year will really hone in on a specific um, struggle, a specific sin that we try to deal with. But, you know, we've talked about, so it's easy to recognize these sins of the culture, but we often miss these subtle, sometimes we call these refined sins in the heart of us as Christians. But, and you know, I think another thing that our culture has done is it has removed strong Bible words for sin. That's been something that Simeon and I have really tried to be intentional about in our own home is using the language of the Bible. You know, if the Bible calls it adultery, it is adultery. It's not an affair. You know, if if the Bible equates hate with murder, then we're going to be careful how we use the word hate. I'm thinking just recently, I believe it was my my 3-year-old asked me, he's like, "Mommy, what does it mean to hate something?" You know, so so I tried to explain it to him in a way that made him understand the severity of that word hate. You know, how we just tend to use it so like, you know, I hate McDonald's or I hate, you know, kids often say, I hate going to school or, but really just the depth of, of emotion and sin that can be rooted in that, that word hate. And, and not that hating McDonald's is a sin um, or whatever, but being careful about our language and trying to use Bible language, especially as we teach our children or as we talk about sin. Um, you know, I, I know another one we have, 
a million different words now that we call the gender identity issues. But God called it sodomy. God called it perversion. God called it unnatural affection. You know, you don't hear those words in the news headlines. Um, you know, and anyway, just, just if God said it, then, then we can use his words. We should use his words, especially as we teach our children. And I think that's something that has just been undermined. And Satan's done a masterful job at making sin seem so much less than what it is by giving it these names that are not to the severity of what God called them. And we just need to be careful the way we use our language and, and just try to keep our language Bible language. So we're going to look through several different things. This episode is just talking about really our sin problem and what the solution is. Um, so the first thing that I want to talk about is just the sinfulness of sin. And we've talked about this a little bit. Whatever sin, if if there was only one person ever lived and they only ever committed one sin, God would or Jesus would still have to have come on the cross to die and pay for that sin because all sin requires a payment that we cannot pay. Um, Matthew 5, 21 and 22 says, Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. This goes back to that whole idea of, you know, sometimes we just, we don't see sin as severe as it is. God says, hey, even if you're angry in your heart and your brother without a cause, you're in danger. You need to be careful. You need to analyze. And I think this is good to remember. Again, it's not always just our actions that we have to be monitoring. You know, oftentimes we want to um, be perceived in a good light. We, we want to be good people. We want to be moral people. We want to be accepted um, of others. But often we allow things in our mind that we feel like are private, that no one knows, that no one can see. And there's such sin that dwells in our mind and our heart. But God sees the mind. God sees the heart. He knows what's there. And that is a transgression against him. First uh, John 3, 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. You know, no matter how we define it, how we categorize it, the sinfulness of sin has not disappeared from the sight of God. When God sees sin, when God judges sin, it is a transgression of his law. You know, I've talked a lot about studying the character of God, and it's amazing how just in that study, the more I come to know about God, the more I come to see God as pure, as holy, as just, even in that study, in that pursuit of the knowledge of who God is, it also reveals to me who I am and how my sin separates me from who God is. And just that reality in my own heart and life makes me want to change, makes me want to confess that and to get it right so that I can be becoming more like my Savior. So I think we've done pretty much a, a thorough job here addressing the idea that sin is sinful. Sin is a transgression against God, that all sin is a breaking of God's law, that it is, uh, you know, we might see things as minor, but all of it, God says, it's lawlessness. It is going against me. It's disregarding God 
his person, his word to fulfill our own desires. And, and that's where the issue is. When we choose self over God, we, we inevitably, that leads to a life of sin because, I mean, that's pride in and of itself and self-centeredness. Um, but, but we just have to be so careful in that. But next I want to talk about the malignancy of sin. So usually we think of the word malignant as connected with cancer. Um, but, but it has the same idea as we talk about the malignancy of sin. So malignant means tending to produce death or deterioration, very infectious, metastasizes to other parts of our spiritual person and others. You've probably heard the quote before that sin will always take you farther than you wanted to go. And that is so true. You know, we, we think that we are in control of the sin, that we can be master of the sin. And the Bible clearly says you can't. You can only serve two masters. You can either serve God or you can serve Satan. And if you think you're serving self, you're really serving Satan. And, and just, you know, sin reveals what is in our heart. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is dece- deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, in talking about trying to use Bible language and, and just be cautious about how we think, keeping our thoughts rooted in God's word. You know, I think about these little slogans, you know, follow your heart or, you know, um, you know, let your heart be your guide. But the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. It is desperately wicked. Who can know it? We just have to be so careful when we allow things into our heart that, that they are things that are true, that are honest, just, pure, lovely. Because out of the heart is, is who we are, out of the abundance of the heart. And, you know, as we're talking about this idea of the malignancy of sin, we know that sin produces death and deterioration, but also the idea that it is infectious and it metastasizes to other parts of our spiritual person and to others. Realizing that... Again, sin cannot be controlled. Sin will eat you alive. And it will not only affect you, it will affect those whom your life touches. Um, I have seen it again and again. And, and even lives of people that I love where they thought that they were free, that they were having the, the time of their life, that they were living the way that they wanted to live and enjoying you know, the life that they always wanted, that freedom that does come with sin for a season. But, but sin, again, always takes you farther than you want to go. And before you know it, sin leaves you ravaged. Sin wrecks your life. It wrecks your relationships. It, it, it just it, it wreaks havoc on you. And as Simeon and I are talking with our kids, we try to, to teach them that, to teach them that Satan will try to entice you. He will tempt you. He will make whatever you fill in the blank. He will make whatever sin look like it is just what you've always wanted, that it will fulfill you, that it will complete you, that it will bring you joy, that it will bring you your heart's desires. And again, maybe it will for a season, but seasons are so brief. They are so brief. And the wreckage that is left behind, as I said, we, we try to teach our kids 
that Satan, all he wants to do is to destroy you. He wants to leave you unusable for God. He wants to to take your life and anything that God had planned for you, any of the purposes that God created you to accomplish, Satan wants to make that unable to happen. And, you know, so we, we try to teach our kids this, the severity of sin, again, this malignancy of sin, that it, it spreads. It's like a wildfire, and it not only affects you, but it affects other people. And we have to be so careful. And, you know, as we're talking about some of these subtle sins that might be easier to hide, that might be easier to keep secret, you know, this the problem about those sins is that it's often undetected until we hit the crisis stage. You know, if, if we think about this with cancer, you know, sometimes you don't even realize that it's eating your body away until you're at a point where it, it can't. It, it can't be healed. It can't be fixed. It has completely ravaged. And, and that's how these sins are. We just, we think, oh, it's not a big deal, not a big deal, not a big deal. And all of a sudden it has ruined our lives. And then we stand and look back and be like, how did I get here? And just remembering that all of our sin is an assault on the majesty and the sovereign rule of God, that he is the only one that is to have control. You know, Several different versions of the Bible, actually a lot of different versions of the Bible, talk about self-control. Um, I believe even uh, in, in the fruit of the Spirit, in the King James Version, one of the words is temperance. And a lot of versions translate that as self-control. Um, but something Simeon's helped me realize is self-control is a really bad definition that it should be spirit control because honestly, I don't want to be self-controlled. I don't want to teach my children that a fruit of the spirit is to be self-controlled, to, to let yourself have control of you. Because again, Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. That's not what I want to have control of my life. I want to be spirit controlled. I want to allow the Lord to have control, the Lord to have the majesty and the sovereign rule of my life. And he can't sit on that throne if we're giving that throne to sin, whether we're doing it intentionally or we're just passive and uncaring enough to let something quietly and quickly usurp his throne. We've got to keep God in his rightful place in our lives. So we move on to the forgiveness of sin. So we see our sin problem, but praise the Lord, he made a way for there to be a solution. My sin was nailed to the cross when Christ hung there and bled and died for me. I'm so thankful that God paid for my sin, that Jesus Christ made a way for me to be restored into fellowship with Christ on his account. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, Christ, when he died on the cross, he made a way that his robes of righteousness could replace our robes of sinfulness. And, and that's amazing. Amazing that he would die in our place and give us a way to be redeemed in the sight of God. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. When we ask God to forgive us, 
He does. He he wipes our account. He puts Christ's righteousness on our account. We were, you know, our sin was a scarlet. And when Jesus Christ's blood washes our sin away, we are left whiter than snow. He forgets our sin. As far as the east is to the west, he removes our sin and our transgressions from his mind. And then Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, this spirit-led life, this spirit-controlled life. And, you know, in, in this we see the gospel. And I, I've shared my salvation testimony. I've shared the gospel on podcast episodes before. If you have never acknowledged your sin and confessed that and asked for Christ's forgiveness and asked him to be your Lord and Savior, I would love nothing more than to speak to you on that. So feel free to reach out to me. You can reach out to me on social media. You can email uh, me, my email, nohighercallingpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to speak with you on how you could know for sure that your sins are forgiven and that heaven will be your home. But I, I'm assuming that probably most of us listening are born-again Christians, are believers in Christ. And let, let me just pause and say that doesn't mean that we can just skip over this point because we have received forgiveness of our sins. No, because we have received that forgiveness, we should constantly be expressing our gratitude to Christ for the depth of what he saved us from. And we need to be so careful and and vigilant in our own lives that as, as believers, as Christians who have the victory over sin through the power and through the blood of Jesus Christ, that we don't allow these sins to climb back on that throne. Ladies, we, we've just, we've got to be very intentional and very purposeful about this in our lives. Keep Christ on the throne. So the last thing I want to talk about is just the repenting of our sin. And, you know, something that I am thinking of as I'm having kids, as I'm having all of these conversations, my children are not saved yet, but we have a lot of conversations about the gospel, but also helping them realize that salvation does not mean that I am now a perfect person, that I will never sin again, that that I am a sinner from the day that I'm born till the day that I meet Jesus. But the difference is, is that because I have asked Christ to forgive me, my sin is now forgiven. My sin now does not require the payment of death and hell. But again, that should not remove the severity of our sin. Salvation is not like a free card where you can just say, okay, well, now I have eternal security, so I'm just going to live however I want because, oh, Jesus paid for that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because of what Christ has done in my life, because of my love for him, because, again, reflecting back on the forgiveness that he extended to me, because of my growing relationship with him, I want to forsake these sins. I want to grow in Christ's likeness. And in order to deal, in order to repent and to have victory over these areas, we have to grow in that Christ likeness. You know, we don't ever have a day in our life where we're so good that we do not need the gospel. 
Now, that doesn't mean you have to get saved again and again. You know, I believe from Scripture that Christ paid for our sin once and that we can ask him for forgiveness and that we can trust that he forgave us. And that is not something that has to continually be done. But I do have to continuously realize the need of the gospel work in my life, the conforming to Christ, the continual growth in my relationship with Christ. And I said before, the more I grow, the more I come to know about Christ, the more that I am immersed in his word, the more that I pray and ask him to order my steps according to his word, the more I realize, okay, well, this is an area that is not Christ-like. This is an area where the old man reigns supreme, and I need to change this. I need to forsake this. I need to confess this. In Romans 6, 2, it says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin? So us believers, how should we live any longer therein? Why would we want to continue in the muck and the mire, the very darkness that God saved us from? We need to live unto light, unto the power that is afforded to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We talked about this. Not not a self-controlled life, not a, a self-desire to order our steps or anything, but, but a Spirit-led life living in the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's power in us. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. The Holy Spirit will enable us to confess and forsake our sin. And the Holy Spirit will use circumstances that cause us to grow spiritually. Again, I've shared some of my testimony to that, different things that God has perfectly chosen to place in my life, whether they be great things or whether they be things that were intense heartbreak and struggle. But all of those things he's using to write my life story. And and what's the purpose of the story of our lives? It's all for his glory. It is all for the glorification of the one who is worthy of all glory. And so those are the, the workings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let's make application here at the very end. First of all, for a, at, at your personal self, if you're not saved, that is where you have to start. Nothing that I say as we go through the story, you, you won't be able to have the victory to conquer these sins in your heart if you do not have Jesus' saving blood cleansing you from all sin. That That's where you have to start. If you don't know him as your savior, again, reach out to me, reach out to someone, get that dealt with today. So then the second thing would be sanctification. You know, we have this old man that still resides in us even when we are saved, even when we now have the new man. And that old man is constantly doing war with the new man, constantly trying to supersede, constantly trying to take the authority and the reign and the throne over Christ in our lives. And so this process of becoming more like Christ is is what we're working on. We need to pray and ask God to reveal areas of sin in our life and then to forsake those areas. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I touched on this verse at the beginning, but pray that. 
pray and ask God to show you. Ask God to make you more like him. Ask him to reveal anything in your life that is not like him, that is not according to his word, that is not living that well-ordered way. And then just come to know God. Come to know him for yourself. Study his word. Spend time with him. We know him through his word. Again, I, I shared this one earlier, Psalm 11911. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His word is our guide. It illumines our path and it also illumines the dark places in our heart, letting us know this is what needs changed. So those are some applications for us as ladies, as individuals. What about in trying to impact the next generation, in, in trying to pass truth to the next generation? And I think the first thing is we need to use every opportunity to give our children the gospel, to teach them the gospel. And, you know, I we've talked about it on this podcast episode, different interviews that I've done, using correction opportunities to not just try to conform the action, but to get down to the heart to show them this was sin. This was transgression against God's law. And, you know, ultimately, you, you need to turn from this. But this is why you need a Savior. This is why Jesus died. He wants to be your Lord and Savior. You need the power of the gospel in your lives. Using those correction opportunities. Helping them to recognize sin on their own. You know, and, and again, Using those discipline opportunities is a good time to help them think through some of this. I, I did an interview with Melissa Hildebrand last year on um, discipline's role in discipling our kids. She talked about some of this. But in really getting to the heart of the issue and helping our kids, asking probing questions, and just instead of coming in and say, well, you did this, so you get this, helping them mine into their hearts and into their lives. Why did I do this? Why is it wrong? What does the Bible have to say about it? Oh, this separates me from God. If I don't know him as Savior, these these are the sins that condemn me to hell, and I need a Savior to pay for my sins so that I can be forgiven, so that I can have eternal life, using those opportunities. Also, I think, especially as a mama or as a parent, but modeling the importance of having a real relationship with God. And this isn't really something that you can fake. This is something that your kids are just going to observe as you live out a real faith, as your kids see you trying to follow God's word, read God's word, spending time in God's word, as your children inevitably see you fail because again the old man is strong and you know I, I think too being quick to apologize to our kids because you know what my kids aren't the only ones that that sin in my household yes they sin against me sometimes they'll sin against my husband they sin against each other but I also sin against them. My husband sins against them. My husband and I sin against each other sometimes. And so being quick, you know, there's been times where Simeon and I have had to go to our kids and be like, look, mommy and daddy sinned. We spoke out of anger. We spoke out of a heart that was filled with pride and with foolishness. And we need to ask you to forgive us. Um, we try, Simeon and I try not to argue in front of our kids it's happened a few times, and you know, when once we work through that and realize that we did sin and that we did wrong, you know, we try to 
it, I, because it was public, we tried to publicly within our home say, Mommy and Daddy did not handle that well. We did not speak to each other with kindness and with the love of Christ. And we are sorry to each other that we treated each other that way. And we're sorry to you all that you watched us choose sin and choose foolish behavior. So I think those are just some practical application things. As we're trying to teach our children the sinfulness of sin, the problem that we have with sin, and ultimately guide their hearts to the gospel and to the the solution for our sin, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. All of these pieces work together. And, you know, our, our kids will not come to know their desperate need of a Savior until they understand their desperate sin condition. And that's what all of this is. Whether it's in our hearts individually, with our kids, we are desperate in our sin condition. We need something. And the only something that covers our sin debt is Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. You know, our kids will not come to know their desperate dependency on Christ for righteous living until they understand their utter failure to be able to achieve that on their own. So we need we need to teach them of their desperate need of a Savior because of their desperate sin condition. But we also need to teach them that, hey, now as a believer, mommy and daddy are saved, but we are desperately dependent on Christ to help us live righteously because we can't do it on our own. We have the old man in us that is battling. We still fall. We still sin. We still choose self again and again. But we are desperate. On we, we have the cleansing power of Jesus Christ because we have accepted him as our Savior. But daily, we are dependent on God for victory over sin and for righteous living. So those are just some practical application ways that as we're wrapping up this first episode about sin in general, the problem, the solution, what Christ did for us, those are some practical application things for you personally and for you as you try to teach the next generation, as we try to give them a strong foundation of biblical truth that they can grow on for the rest of their lives. So I hope this spoke to your heart. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it challenged you, really, honestly, more than anything. It challenged me, and every time I study through this and think about the depravity of my sin and the payment that it required and the love that was extended to me when Christ paid for my sin. It just, it just makes me want to fall on my knees and praise him. And, and I, you know, and again, it also makes me want to forsake these things because my sin is so trivial. My, my jealousy, my anxiety, my worries, my, my tongue, my, my loose tongue is so trivial when I think about the, the amazingness of the love and the victory and the power that I am afforded through my relationship with Christ. And, and I, don't, I don't, what a slap in the face of God to allow gossip, to allow pride to sit on a throne that he is the only one that should hold. So again, as we study through this throughout the rest of the year, I ask you to pray that verse in Psalms, pray that order my steps in your word. Don't let any iniquity have dominion over me. And start now just asking that God will illumine areas in your life that need change and that he will conform you more into the image of Christ. And I'd love to see us end 2022 being women that look more like Christ, that are influencing and encouraging and training younger ones 
to become more like Christ. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies. Let me close this episode in prayer, and I look forward to joining you uh, next week back with just some regular No Higher Calling uh, content. Father, I thank you that you died on the cross for our sins. I thank you that you loved us in spite of us, in spite of our sinful condition, and in spite of knowing that even after we accept you as our Savior, that we would still so often choose sin and self over you. Lord, I pray that you'll be with me, be with each lady listening. Lord, I pray that you will convict our hearts of areas that we have not yielded to you, areas where something other than you has usurped the throne. I pray that you will help us confess those, forsake them, and to get them right, Lord. I pray that you will help us to be more like you, that we can be lights in a dark world, and that we can just shine the light of Christ to all of those around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.